Welcome to the final Loftcast of 2017 as we gear up for the festive period here at Loftus Road. And Christmas certainly came early for ours players and fans alike on Saturday with an all-too-rare away win on the road at Birmingham City. We'll be looking back at that win in the Midlands on today's Loftcast and looking ahead to Saturday's visit of high-flying Bristol City to Loftus Road. And we'll also be hearing from this man. Freeman trying to make something happen. Freeman with the shot. Oh, he's made something happen all right. And he goes to the Rangers fans to celebrate. Andy Sinton, Paul Morrissey, thanks for joining me on today's Loftcast. First things first then, uh, a win away from home. It wasn't a dream, was it, Andy? (laughs) I do know it's been a hell of a long time coming. Ten months. Um, Ten months um, since we beat Birmingham 4-1 up there. Uh, if you had said to me on that day when we played ever so well, you'd have to wait 10 months for another one. I would have uh, probably laughed at you, but uh, that's been the case. But uh, yeah, we did it. And it was well deserved on the day, especially if you look back at the overall 90 minutes. Um, you could argue that Birmingham did have a spell for 20 minutes at one or where they perhaps looked the stronger team. But um, it was deserved on the day, wasn't it, Moz? Yeah, it was. And it shows you the impact that, I mean, since we know better than anyone else around this table but it shows the impact that fans can have on a performance because right from the start the Birmingham fans weren't overly happy Mm -hmm. and you could sense that in the stadium before we even scored the goal and then once we did go one ahead it was quite a a very difficult atmosphere to play and I can't imagine what it must be like to play and there was one point one of their lads put the ball straight out of play and trying to un- unlock our defence and the reaction the reaction around the stadium was incredible and I thought if I if I was that lad I would not want the ball <laughs> for the next few minutes that's so. quite an interesting subject point just to chat about briefly as as a player I mean you, you played in a lot of successful sides but I'm sure you had t- hard times as well as a as a professional We've spoken to Joey Barton about this um, in previous mm. years. There's been a number of players that get the bird, as they call it, yeah. from, the, from the supporters. As a, as a former pro yourself, Moz. Um, sorry, Andy. <laughs> um, <laughs> how difficult can that be when you're giving your all, but perhaps things aren't coming off for you? It can be so difficult, both individually and as a team. You know, it's, uh, it's never for the lack of trying. And sometimes when you're in a, a, a bad run... Um, as a player you, you actually can try too hard so you try and do the mm. wrong things or you have too many because you're that desperate to do something uh, what you would do normally without even thinking of it totally goes out the window mm. and it, you, you just dig yourself a bigger hole because you uh, it gets worse and worse and worse but it's uh, I have played in teams uh, where, I've, where I've had it um, I've certainly seen, a, seen a, a few individuals suffer with it but that's where the mental toughness of a player mm. certainly at the the higher echelons can come through you know they they don't go high and if anything they they can want the ball a little bit more mm. I remember Joey saying at the time where he was going through a difficult spell here at QPR and he came off against Liverpool, Liverpool and in the famous 3 yeah, yeah that's right and he, he was saying reflecting on it a couple of years later he said that the impact it had on him he said he couldn't pass the ball 10 yards and find his player because, and you, you look at someone like Joey Barton very confident in, in his ability and very headstrong very strong mentally yeah. and, which is and the flip yeah, of what you've just said yeah, yeah it, impacted, it impacted on him as well and certainly was affecting the Birmingham players and probably the only problem at half time was we had a chance really to be 2-0 up yeah. and it was only 1-0 and you think you know if they, they've got an opportunity to get back into it and then once they did suddenly the fans were right on side they yep. were supporting them they were cheering them and 
Birmingham looked a very different team as a result. Because I watched the stream, I wasn't at the game, but I watched the stream and I thought you were on commission the amount of times you said it, but you, <laughs> you did make that point that St Andrews is a, generally, when you've played in the past, is a really intimidating atmosphere. Well, if someone it? said to me, you know, name your top five. Would it really feature that high, would yeah. it? Uh, I played in derbies there, you know, so playing for Wolves and yeah. it was it was, uh, it was a horrible place to go and play. Um, the Birmingham fans were right with their side, you know, so, uh, no, as I say, uh, haven't said that, I thought we, credit to us, you know, you go to a team who are struggling, struggling to score goals, struggling yeah. where they are in the league. I thought we totally dominated the first half and played really, really, really well. How big a factor in that first half was the opportunity for Ian Holloway to revert back to what we all think is the preferred 3-5-2 formation, largely owing to the personnel with Alex Baptiste now back available from suspension, Ned Manua fit again, and obviously looking further ahead, Grant Hall and, and possibly James Perch even returning soon. So how key was that changing formation to us going on and really dominating that first period? I think all our best performances this season have been when we've played with that formation. But you can only play it when you've got the personnel to play it with. So, uh, you know, having Nedham back over the last couple of weeks has been a, a big, big plus. I think you you only realise what he gives the side when he's not in the side, if that mm. makes sense. So to have him... What uh, do you mean by that? Do you mean in terms of not only his ability, but his role as skipper and organising, not just the back four, back five, but... The whole team. I think it's his experience. You know, you, you you look around your dressing room sometimes, and you you just need people like him in your side. You know, I think he's been criticised in the past for not being um, the most vocal of captains, a leader. You know, but what is a leader? You know, I've played with some captains that don't really say a word, but really lead by or try and lead by example. You know that. So there's you don't have to be a, a shouting and baller, a, a chest pumper because to be they a don't, leader. Do those captains really exist anymore? The Alan McDonalds and, and Co. They, do not those really. Screamer, Not you really. look in the Premier League. You don't see screaming. John Terry during his time at Chelsea was a screamer and a shout. You look, you know, Roy Keane in that kind of era, and we spoke about Alan McDonald as well. But yep. you know, you look around the the top clubs now, and you wouldn't say there's any screamers and shouters. No, you know, I think it's certainly at the top level. Some of that's crept out of the game or gone out of the game. But uh, but going back to Nedham, you know, he, you know, sometimes he's his pace is a big plus and his strength and he. I thought we'll come on to it later on, but the longer the game went on, he, he really came into his yeah. own when we were when we had that sort of spell. So um, when we had to defend, so I'm delighted to see him back in the side, as I'm sure the fans are, and, and certainly the dressing room will be. And again, you said this on commentary. I think uh, you were right when you said this as well um, that, that Josh Scoan in in that first period when we were on top was integral to that, wasn't he? That was probably, for me, he's been a little bit off the ball, but probably that's because he has set his standards so high in the early chapter of his QPR career. But certainly for the first 35, 40 minutes of that game, he really bossed it alongside Luongo and Freeman in the middle of the park for Rangers. Yeah, I thought I thought it was back to what he was um, until about five or six games, uh, six games ago. You know, he has, he has tailed off a little bit, but he's been so good... And he's always going to tail off. Any player is not going to keep that level of consistency up all season and play to the level that he was. Uh, and when he's not, it's up to others to to step up to step up further, you know. So, uh, but I thought he was, um, I thought he was excellent. You know, he was getting around the park, getting his foot in. He he was able to dictate some of our, you know, get off play going. Uh, more to do probably with the way Birmingham played than uh, than us, if you like. But uh, no, he was excellent and very key to the way we were able to dominate that first half. And we did dominate that first half, Moz, and then we were rewarded. Finally, we got the goal that we deserved. It was a lovely ball in uh, from Freeman, who we'll hear from later. Um, 
and a fine header from Jack Robinson. I, I was watching the game and I, I always think this, that when Nedham's in the side, I don't understand why Nedham doesn't go out for corner kicks because I think he's got a few goals in his career and he's, mm. he's big um, and he's fairly decent in the air. But I guess it's because of his pace at the back. Um, if you do need someone to cover, he's the best at doing that um, alongside Baps and, um, and, and Robbo. But it was Robbo that came up with that goal. And like I said, it was a, a well-flighted ball in right in that corridor of uncertainty between the six and the eight-yard box where the keeper can't really come and claim it. And it was a fine downward header. Yeah, yeah it was a great finish. Um, <clears throat> and what was interesting was afterwards, Ian Holloway in his post-match press conference was talking about set pieces and the amount of goals we've got from set pieces which is um, impressive this season and he puts it down to Mark Burcham the, the crafty cockney he calls him um, for the little ideas that he comes up with the stuff that goes on in and around the box for the, for the free kicks and something they recognised for this match was that perhaps Birmingham would be occupied by Matt by Smith, Smith so the focus wasn't putting it on Matt Smith it was almost Matt Smith going on a run to free a bit of space and if you look partic- more so actually for the chances Jack Robinson missed yeah. but even there for that one Jack Robinson had a, a nice run and it was certainly wasn't an easy header but, no. but he almost easy had a, the one he scored though. Yeah, almost a, a free header into the corner and it was a great finish from him and it, he, he Jack said afterwards he's looking to add goals to his game to his game and he does seem to have suddenly gone gone up a level he's obviously had a very difficult time with injuries and perhaps you you don't appreciate how long it can be to to shake off the rustiness and get into playing week in week out which he's now doing and I think QBR are reaping the rewards of that with his performances disappointing then having gone 1-0 up that we didn't make it to Connor Washington missed a golden opportunity didn't he on the on the stroke of half time just needed to show a little bit more composure there since Snatched yeah, it, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, just snatched it. You know, you Going had a through lot, a tough spell. Listen, it's easy to watch from up in a commentary box or up in a stand. You know, he had a lot more time than he thinks. Probably, to me, just that one instant probably just showed Connor maybe suffering from a lack of confidence, you know, yeah. as all strikers do. Would you um, side foot that? Just from 80 yards away, and from the view I've got, he's got a lot of time. I, I'd, I'd have a touch and I'd probably look at the far corner a little bit more cuter yeah. rather than the... You know the lash or the strike. He, 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 he clearly wasn't aware of how much time he did have, but he was probably surprised because he was yeah, almost gifted surprise. the freedom of the box. Yeah, and he's, mm. he's used sort of a technique which you know, if you wax it in the top corner, everyone will be raving about the goal. Yeah. You know, but the law of averages, percentages, uh, maybe a little cuter yeah. uh, side foot into the far corner would have been the best option. Fair play to Steve Cottrell. He did change it at half time, didn't he? Um, not not in terms of personnel, but in terms of shape. Uh, Gardner moved into a more advanced position which I think again you mentioned on on the comms and that that stifled us a little bit didn't it and and it gave them some renewed vigour and renewed hope well I I was full you know I thought they were really poor uh, in the first half but we were we were good so you you balance that up but I was fully expecting them to make a change probably in personnel actually so I was a little bit surprised when he didn't but he definitely made a a sort of a tactical change because in the first half uh, Craig Gardner who I rate is a really really good player played really really deep and I think that had something to do with Matt Smith being on the side actually because mm-hmm. he's almost screening Matt Smith when yeah. we picked the ball but he played so deep that we were able to outnumber them in the middle of the park 3v2 um, so that's twice we've mentioned Smith's name now um, and if you were at the game uh, which you two guys were and I watched him you wouldn't have said that he had a largely effective game but is his presence mm. on the pitch a positive because it provides so many 
questions to the opposition. Yeah, it affects other people, you know. So if you look at Craig Gardner, he almost took away, Playing him out of his let's say, half of his game away yeah, to, yeah. To, to to shield. Because he's a central midfielder, isn't yeah, he, as opposed that, to a deep line. if he gets, you know, we're not here to talk about Craig Gardner, but if he gets 25, 30 yards from goal, he can he hit goals. and um, Packs a punch, doesn't he? Exactly. So uh, it was evident to me in the first half, Matty Smith's in the side. Matty Smith's not going to run channels. You know, he's not going to go chasing around to get the ball back from up front, but he will occupy central defenders. And in the first 20 minutes, I think we probably got more crosses in on Saturday than we have done probably in the last two, three games put together. So maybe that was a game plan. But if he's in your side, get stuff into the box. But going back to your question, yeah, his presence can occupy defenders more so than others. And he's been our saviour on so many occasions uh, over the, the the time he's been at the club. But it was a rare mistake, wasn't it, um, from Alex Smithies for the goal? Um, a poor goal to concede, really, because they weren't really showing much threat, despite the crowd slowly but surely turning um, and being on their side for probably the first time in the match. But Alex, or I think he did, he probably did hold his hand up in the dressing room and said, "Sorry, lads, but um, it's a rare one from him. You don't, he doesn't really produce too many rickets in goal." No, it's a bit. <clears throat> 99 times out of 100 if, if someone's shaping to shoot from 20 yards when you've got Smithies in goal you take that and yeah, say yeah alright yeah. it's going to have to be Try good to luck. beat him I mean what I would say as well is they often say that the ball seems to move a hell of a lot more yeah. these days and yeah. when it's in the Premier League and you've got the slow-mo from all the different angles you can see it more than at Championship level you haven't got all those different angles and perhaps you can't see actually what Smithies is having to deal with when that ball is coming at him. But I actually think he was unlucky in that the parry itself wasn't so bad because I think he was favourite to win it. But as he's gone to get it, he slipped. And that just gave um, Gallagher the opportunity to to nick in ahead of him and get the equaliser. But I think the outfield players will all say how many times Smithies has saved us by getting us a point or getting us three points when we might not have done had it not been for him. So I, I think they probably welcome the opportunity for want of a better place to help him out yeah. in a way that he's yeah. helped them out so often in the past and they did that didn't they um, credit to us because we, we responded positively after then and credit to the manager again he does make attacking substitutions and he does make bold changes and Silla comes on almost scores with his first touch but mm. for me he made a, a real impact his presence on the pitch slightly different to what Matt Smith brings but um, you know what you're going to get with Adrissier for this chances he'll, he'll certainly be in and amongst them he had that header that flew just past the post with his first touch um, and then soon after the moment we've all been waiting for um, that elusive winner arrives through man in a moment Jack Robinson again and it was an incredible low strike into the corner and that one you'd be proud of Mr Sint I certainly would it was uh, you know it's a great strike Luke Freeman you know I think Teed it up. Luke's probably shaping to to strike at himself, you know, coming in from that right hand side, waiting for half a yard, it's blocked. So he just he, trying to get it on his left yeah, peg, wouldn't he? He lays it square, and, and, and Jack's first touch is great. He's got hardly any mm. backlift at all, and and smashes it, zips off the surface, and the keeper hasn't moved. You know, so uh, it's not often you see that where the keeper was completely out fox. You might get in a free kick where the the keeper is going to gamble one yeah. side, it goes the other, but. He, in open play, he was completely out Fox with yeah. what Jack did. I think that was probably the speed of the touch and the hit, you know, and the lack of backlift. You know, normally it's which a is t- saying something for a, a centre half or yeah. left back or yep. whatever, whatever his favourite <laughs> position is. He now? is. <laughs> yeah, if that's a, if that's a striker, let him fly on the edge of the box or a number ten. You know, mm. then you can't. You know, if it's Freeman, then you you half expect it. But for a centre half or a left-sided defender to be doing that, is and what we're seeing with Jack, you know. 
He has got good technique. He has got good technique. He has got good quality, you know, but uh, it's probably a little bit unexpected. But, yeah, super touch, great strike. And, and a Klinsman celebration a to Klinsman follow. Klinsman celebration. In the far corner. And I think that was um, 10 months of frustration, um, not just for, for him, mm. but his teammates as well. No, was, and the scenes in the away end, I think there was over a 1,000 Rangers supporters that made the, the trip to the Midlands. Um, and credit to them because it's a tough time of year for everyone, isn't it, with people saving money for for the festive period but um, the celebrations told their own story yeah a lot of relief a lot of frustration maybe a little bit of anger over the last few weeks you know a couple of decisions maybe not gone our way etc mm -hmm. etc et which are well documented but uh, and you know for Jack personally you know what, he, what he's come through I think we, we should sort of mention that you know because mm -hmm. he's a uh, you know came with a, a really good reputation for, for no fault of his own he's lost a couple of years of his career and he will have been in a dark and a lonely place at times, you know, sitting in treatment rooms, wondering if he's ever going to get back to himself, wonder if he's ever going to play again. You know, where's he going to play? How's he going to get his career going? So he would have been not only in that moment, but certainly after the game and sitting on a bus, a very proud young man. Uh, and I wouldn't say it would have righted all the frustration that he suffered over the last couple of years, but it would have been a really super feeling that he deserves everything he gets. Well, Luke, it was 10 months in the waiting, but how pleasing was it to get that first win on the road since the last time we played at Birmingham City? Yeah, no, massively. Uh, it was uh, something that we did feel was coming. Um, it, was, it was nice to, to finally get it, you know. Um, yeah, over the moon, I think, to say the least. How much of an impact was that having on the, the players? I know supporters travelling to any away game were saying it's got to be this week, it's got yeah. to be this week, and it's just dragging on and on. What sort of impact was it having in the dressing room? Yeah, no, you know, the thing is, it's one of them ones, it, it, it does become a bit of a mental battle sometimes. I mean, there's been a few times this year we've gone 1-0 up away from home and you're kind of thinking, rather than maybe try and push for a, for a second, you're kind of thinking, oh, let's kind of protect the lead, which sometimes can, can, uh, can cool you as a team, you know? So I think it's been a bit of a, a tough mental kind of battle with it all, you know, but we're just happy to finally come out the other end. And you were just saying there that actually going into the game, you, you personally felt very confident that this would be the game. Yeah, no, I was, I was quietly confident. I didn't want to kind of jinx it, but I obviously had memories of, of really, I think, I think that was my first start, I think, this time last year against Birmingham. Um, and we kind of, we won convincingly and then we went on to, um, I think, be unbeaten in eight or nine games, I think it was. So uh, I just had a feeling it was going to kind of happen again, you know. So um, I didn't want to say anything too early, though. I wanted to make sure we, uh, we got the three points before I said it. But yeah, no, I was quietly confident. And uh, we took the lead. We'll talk about your assist nature in a moment. But we took the lead in a, through an unlikely source in Jack Robinson, his first career goal. Yeah. No, to be fair to me, he, he, he took it well, you know, to be fair. I think... Um, he should have got probably a hat trick as well in the game. I think you know he missed the easiest chance out of them, out of them both, you know. But um, no, I was really happy for him. You know, obviously he's had a bit of a tough spell over the last couple of years with injuries and that. So for him to come back in this year and, and done what he's done, he's, he's he's done really really well. And Birmingham are having their own difficulties at the minute, and you could sense the crowd were on the verge of turning, and we made the most of that by by getting the goal. And they did really turn on, on yeah. the the Birmingham team after that. But once they got themselves back into the game, it flipped completely and suddenly St Andrews was right with them. And it was a case of having to dig in there for 10 or 15 minutes just to ride the storm. Yeah, listen, I, I, no matter who you are and wherever you're playing, if you go away from home, there's going to be times and periods in the game where, where, where the home team's going to kind of come on top, you know. So we, we felt like we could, if we kind of stuck to our game plan, upset 
Birmingham, the, the, the team we was playing against, and also their fans. And we thought, as soon as their fans get on them, it's it's even harder for them to kind of mm. play play their game, Birmingham. You know, so um, yeah, no, we had a game plan and it, it worked. Um, we did have to ride the storm a little bit. I think even then, I, we still felt really. They was on top, but it well, wasn't really kind of causing us too many problems. I think, I mean, they shot from the outside of the box was obviously what it was, you know. And it wasn't, even though they was on top, it didn't feel like we was massively holding on. It just yeah. felt like we was kind of almost in control, but uh, of, of kind of protecting the lead and, and our goal. But they had probably a bit more possession. Yeah, rope a dope tactics. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then obviously the winner coming from Jack Robinson again. Um, talk us through how you remember it, and then we'll talk about how Jack Robinson remembers. Yeah, it. I mean to be fair, I was I was on the edge of the box, and I tried opening it up for myself um, for the shot, and then uh, I see him there, and I was quite surprised. I'm, I'm sure he's supposed to be playing a centre half, but he was uh, he's on the edge of the box. But um, no, he's another great goal, mate. He, he does that in training all the time. He he's, he he strikes the ball so cleanly, you know. Um, so um, no, it's very, again, it wasn't it wasn't really a surprise when it when it went in, you know, because obviously I've seen him do it in training many a time. So yeah, no, delighted for him. And his memory of it is, he said, "I saw Freezy have the ball, and he doesn't normally pass it, but he did pass it on that occasion." <laughs> That's what the stats say, yeah, hey? the top assist maker. But um, no, uh, yeah, no, he's just like I said, it was brilliant, mate. I was happy for him, and like I said, more importantly, the three points for us. So yeah. Yeah, of course. And like you say there, uh, top assist maker in the championship, eight assists, which is a, a great return. Wherever QPR would be in the league, it's great to get eight assists. But the fact that we are where we are in the table shows how important those assists have been. Is that something you judge your game on? Um, I've said before, I mean, obviously, everyone knows their, their kind of role in the, in the team. And it is probably scoring and creating goals. Um, I'd probably like to score more than what I do. Uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm, I'm uh, creating a few as well. So, like I said, the most important thing is that is a team picking up points. But if I can kind of pick up a few kind of like assists and, and goals as well along the way, then then it's it's a bonus. A lot of QBR fans are saying they're quite surprised that you were playing League One football as recently as a couple of years ago with yeah. how well you're doing in the Championship. What differences have you found in the level between Championship and League One? Um, I think it's a lot more clinical. I think the championship. I think. Uh, I think in League One you can afford to give the opposition a couple of chances on goal, and they probably might not take it. Whereas I think in in the in the champ, you, I think you can kind of dominate games uh, and give them one opportunity, and they'll end up scoring and maybe winning one nil, and you're kind of walking away from the game going, "How the hell have they won it?" You know. <laughs> so yeah, clinicality is massive in this league. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing I've noticed. Yeah. Has it surprised you how quickly you've adapted to it? Um, you know, I didn't know. I've, ne I've never had any experience in the championship, you know. Mm. So it was it was a bit of going into the unknown. Um, yeah, obviously, I couldn't wait to get get going in the in the, in the championship, you know. Uh, uh, so no, I, I was just um, yeah, I was happy to be here, and I suppose it's just I've, I've probably at the start found it probably difficult at the start, you know. But um, obviously, like anything, you kind of get used to it, get get used to the, to the tempo of the game and, and how it's played, and and uh, I feel like I'm fitting in quite well. It's often commonplace to see people celebrate scoring a goal with passion. I don't think I've ever seen anyone celebrate someone else's goal as regularly with the passion that you do. It seems whether you're involved in it in the assist making or just within uh, yeah. distance, you celebrate as much if someone else scores as if you score. I think that's that's the group we've got. You know, I think the lads generally 
want to help each other and look mm. after each other. You know, it's, we've got a good chemistry and a bond within the, within the squad. Uh, you know, even on, on recent weeks when things haven't gone our way, it's it's we've certainly given it our all. You know, so it's one of them ones you are kind of walking away from games thinking, not maybe not a bit of luck on our side, but one thing we have done, we've we've all given it our all and, and tried as best as we can for 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 the points. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think you'll find that if anyone, whether it's me or anyone scoring, you'll see everyone else kind of mm. joining and celebrating. Um, as a team, you know, which is which is most important. And it seems to be a real honesty within the group. I've seen some rows on the football pitch taking place, and then the next morning at Harland, and the, yeah. those same people are sat having breakfast together. Yeah, no, listen, that's football. It's nothing ever personal in football. You know, it's obviously heat at the moment. You've got something to say. You'll, you'll say it maybe, but it's never ever personal. As soon as you come off the pitch, it's it's completely forgotten about. You know, so um, yeah, it's probably just trying to get the best out of each other. You know. How important, how important is that to, to have that understanding, if you like, in the group that you can pull each other up if the other player isn't perhaps doing what he should be doing and that it does stay on the pitch and people recognise why things are being said? Yeah, it's massively important. You need to, you need to, it needs to stay on the pitch. You know, I think when it starts getting personal, that's when things can go a bit poisonous and, mm. and the atmosphere can go in a team. But I think as long as you know it is strictly football terms and it's really for his and our best interest yeah. it's it's obviously it's going to be uh it's going to be an all-round good thing obviously i've been on, on the end of plenty of them you know so again you don't walk off there and think it don't take it personally at all you like you said you know in the long run it's for the, the whole team and mm. um, so the most important thing is, is probably taking it on board and 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 then uh correcting it when you when you next probably get the ball and you've been in plenty of dressing rooms over the years as well how does this group of lads compare it does seem you always learn more about each other when things aren't going so well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, um, and and I think we've started to see that a bit more. You know, when things aren't going so well, we've we've stuck together. You know, and 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 work for each other. You know, on the training ground and and in the analysis rooms, everyone's been really sticking together. You know, which is which is important at these times. Um, like I said, it's 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 when you see your kind of team come forward when it, when you're having your, your dark times as such, you know. But um, yeah, I feel like we've 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 come through that now and on to the next game and another three points. And on to the next game, and a, a team you know very well, of course, Bristol yeah. City. How much have they surprised you with what they've done this season? Yeah, you know, you know, what? they're a good side. You know, they've always had it in them. You know, obviously, I've been with them since we was in League One and we got promoted to the Championship. So um, no, yeah, the, the, the team's not really changed that much from from obviously when I was there. You know, um, quality doesn't surprise me at all. You know, obviously, they're, they're they're a good side. It's like anything. I think you get a bit of momentum, you, you can kind of build on it as that snowball effect, and it mm. seems to be working for them. You know, so. Um, like I said, I think if you can build momentum in this league and you kind of get kind of two or three back-to-back wins before you know it, I think you'll end up finding yourself on maybe four or five, six yeah. back-to-back wins or or unbeaten like we did this time last year, like I said, with Birmingham. So, um, yeah, I think it's momentum's massive in this league and it's obviously something they've got with them at the moment. And that's something we want to get as well, isn't it? Yeah. Because like you say, we've got a lot of fixtures coming up now over the Christmas period and you can make the league table look very, very different by stringing a few results together. Yeah, it's a funny old league. I think you can, you, if you can win a couple of games uh, in a row, you can literally fly up the league, you know, and as as if you lose a few as well. So it's it's a tough league and, and we know how close we, we can be from, from that top mm. six, you know. Um, I've said it before, I think we are quietly confident we know if we can get a few results under our belt I think we won't be far off off of where we where we'd like to be you know and hopefully we can make that happen it's obviously we're all all believers of it we think it can happen it's obviously hopefully it does okay and just finally on uh, the game against Bristol City what sort of game are you expecting because they're third in the table they've won their last four on the spin I would imagine they'll come to Loftus Road and they'll be coming for three points which could suit us 
Yeah, you know what, I think uh, since I've been here, the year that I've been here, I think we've always suited being the underdog as a team, mm. you know. I think sometimes when, when we have the emphasis to, to beat teams that are, are so-called, I say that inverted commas, lesser than us, it, it doesn't always work, you know. So I think being the underdog for QPR and at home, uh, I think it, it, it's a bonus, you know. I've said it before, the tight pitch, compact stadium, the fans be our 12th man. I think we can, uh, we can, we can surprise people like we've done with Sheffield United's Wolves already this year. Ninth assist on Saturday? Yeah, hopefully, yeah, and a goal would be nice as well. Good to hear the views there of Luke Freeman, who's on fire, um, as the song goes. Um, Moz, you conducted that interview with him um, at Harlington, and understandably, he was in really good spirits. Yeah, he was, and he's um, he's a very passionate little fella as well. And he, I mean, he does play with a fire in his belly as well, and... Like we we were talking there and saying, and we've spoken about it before about the the way the dressing room looks after itself, and mm-hmm. I think he's a, a fundamental part of that. Obviously, you talk about Ned Manu and Maslowongo as well, but um, Luke Freeman is another who's very vocal in his opinion and demands the best from others because he knows the impact that has on him. Like Mass said to us on a recent uh, Loftcast, if if he's not doing his job, it's affecting me getting to where I want to be, and Freeman seems to have that very similar mentality as well and like but he has said, a way of doing it doesn't he because yeah. the amount of times you do see him not just on on the training ground but on Saturday afternoons there's almost stand up rows on yeah, the pitch he really, yeah he really does give it but like you said in the interview it never comes off the pitch it never it's never personal and everyone knows that we're all doing it for the right for reasons, the right reasons and, and yeah he's, he's certainly one of those that's probably helped create that atmosphere that's in the dressing room now assist number seven and eight of the season for him on Saturday that's a bloody good return isn't it we're in the middle of December just coming up to Christmas so the, the turn of the year is nigh but if he can continue at that rate 15-20 mm. assists in the season then um, we'll probably do well to keep holding because there'll be a lot of clubs looking at him that's a great return um and what he's capable of doing, and that's probably his role in the side. He's, he, he is creative. He's got a he's got a great left foot. He can go past players, you know. So uh, that doesn't surprise me. Well, probably it does surprise me a little bit because I haven't seen a great deal of him at Bristol City. So mm. I'm actually pleasantly surprised what he what he does offer on a on a regular basis. But uh, that's a big part of his game. If he can add a few more goals as well as of assists, uh, as I say. You've got a you've got a great midfield player at this level. I know you speak to some of the first team players and offer them little bits of advice. Is he someone that you've, as a as a I guess a, a fellow wide player, albeit he is playing more centrally, is he someone you've spoken about? You know the art of of wide playing, getting the ball into the right areas. Yeah, I've spoken to him, you know a couple of times. Not a not a great deal, just little snippets, you know, but uh, little things he can add to his game. Sometimes. You know he can he can quicken his play up a little bit. He, you know he likes to you know those little Cruyff turns are great, but do them in the right area. But he's got wonderful delivery, uh, as we've seen time and time again, whether it's from open play or set plays. So he's just got to keep working on that, keep getting forward. You know um, we've seen him strike balls from the edge of the box when he comes on that left foot. So uh, no, he's just got to keep progressing. He should be really pleased with his first year at QPR. But uh, let's hope there's more to come. How do you find uh, the QBR players take that advice from you? Is it because I, I find it quite interesting that obviously a player that yourself played at the highest level, etc. I'd imagine they they, they take it with, with great interest. How do you find? Well, it? I would hope so. Um, and sometimes I've got to be a little bit careful because it's not my place. But I'm at the training ground uh, enough, and we've got enough coaches around the building to to be offering that. But I, I watch every game. I watch yeah. every minute. I watch them back. Um, I see little things and I, I feel if I can just give them a tiny little advice that can add to what already they do well, well, 
I would like to think they take it on board and um, and some players come to you don't they I've seen yeah. Jamie Mackey come to you on a number of, you know what do you think since yeah. what do you make of that and that that must be quite pleasing from your point of view because as an ex-pro they obviously trust your knowledge and take into account what, you, what you've got well, to say first of all what I would say you know it's been part of the QPR team if you like I want every single one of those players to, to do well mm. to improve to win as many games as we can to get us high up the table so yeah if I can see little things uh, in the game individually I'm quite biased because sometimes I watch the attacking midfield players more so and the white players certainly more so someone yeah. like you know Pavel uh, I see lots in his game that um, I'm sure he's working on and can improve on but uh, but yeah I'm there and if, if any of them want to speak to me whenever they see me I'd be delighted to offer the little bits of advice that I see so Luke Freeman is thriving, but unfortunately, uh, ahead of the visit of his former <laughs> club, Bristol City, they're certainly thriving as well. Third at the moment, 43 points from 22 games, four points adrift of Neil Warnock's Cardiff City, who's sitting second, fresh off a victory, a 2-1 victory against Nottingham Forest on Saturday. Won their last four in the... God, I don't know why I'm continuing. <laughs> Won their last four in the league, Forest, Sheffield United, Borough and Hull, so again, some, some big clubs in that winning sequence this is going to be a really tough game isn't it very tough game I saw them on the telly a couple of weeks ago when they beat Sheffield United yeah, they looked a good side too. I yeah. saw bits from the other day where they're pouring bodies forward but, you know if, if you look at Bristol City they've almost gone through an incredible turnaround because mm-hmm. I think I'm right in saying last year they went about 16 or 17 games without winning a game yeah. um, stuck, calling for the managers stuck with Lee Johnson yeah, and they're getting yeah. their benefits this year you know and he's obviously someone this season that's you know getting the best out of his uh, group of players both individually and collectively and they're third in the league you know you're not third in the league after 22 games by fluke you're there because you deserve it so uh, another really really tough game and uh, awakens us on uh, it, on Saturday and that highlights the importance of continuity as well doesn't it like you say the manager there was under a lot of pressure Could last season pressure it's a very similar team this year to the team they had last year and all of a sudden it seems to have clicked for them and they're, and they're flying I mean they can't have dreamed to be in this position that they are in halfway through the season no, they've only lost three times um, all season only once away so that that, uh, that away game they did lose was, was actually against the team that we beat on Saturday Burnham City funnily enough but all the way back in August when I think probably Harry Redknapp was still in charge they've got a number of key threats haven't they Bobby Reid scored 11 goals um, when he wasn't really getting an opportunity last year Jamie Patterson um, he's only a couple of assists behind Luke Freeman um, and then Aidan Flint the centre half with six goals so far um, he's been a revelation for them um, in the back four so we know what we're up against what I would say is depending on when you're listening to this they do play Manchester United on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup quarter final and you would have thought given that it's Man United and given it's a quarter final that they'll go quite strong there because they'll probably fancy their chances because United will probably make some changes um, so that could potentially play into our hand but like we say we know where the threats are going to come from but it, it's stopping those threats yeah you're right they've got some is it players. about what we do then is it more about what we do in, in our cave well I always think that. obviously you've got to respect the opposition you've got to respect Bobby Reid you know he's got 11 goals and he's quick and he gets up the sides of people and he'll stretch your pass and I've seen a lot of when he was at good Warsaw player. good player Scored a great goal really good player United, came across Aidan Flint in non-league circles when he was at Alfred tried to sign him did you no this no, one no one. couldn't, couldn't <laughs> afford him missed the boat <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah he's a real threat um, from set play he's very aggressive so yeah we've got to respect them but um, 
in the main, our home form has been really, really good. If we're back to the formation, that seems to suit the group of players that we've got. Let's get after them. Let's put them on the back foot and see if we can get another three points. Would you change anything ahead of this weekend? Would you stick with the same same eleven or if tinker with it a little? No, if everyone's fit, you know, uh, let's. And just what bed Grant Hall in over the over yeah, the festive just, period as and when the time's right. Just keep right. dipping them in. Listen, we threw them in for fifteen minutes um, a couple of weeks ago. If there's no need and there's no desperation to do that, you'd be foolish. Not as desperate as we were a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah, really down to the bare bones. So, uh, so yeah no change for me and like you say it is a busy period um, coming up for Rangers before we return on the Loftcast in the new year we've got the aforementioned game against Bristol City on Saturday then Ipswich Boxing Day Millwall Ian Holloway and Mark Bertram going back to the den that's sure to be a lively one on the 29th and then Neil Warnock coming back to Loftus Road on New Year's Day so there's four fixtures in what, what are we talking 10 days um, less than that 9 days um, this is a real testing period, isn't it, for the squad? But on the flip side of that, an opportunity. There's 12 points up for grabs in, in like we say, in nine days. So that's a real opportunity to get some points on the board and get moving up that table in the right direction. Well, if you can get a little bit of momentum, uh, you know, you can. The league table can look quite different. On the flip side of that, if you have a bad 10 days, yeah, uh, that's why that win against Bristol. Oh, uh, sorry, against Birmingham was so key because. Uh, the gap's nine now, isn't yeah. it? Between well, it was so important for many things. Three. You know, it was it was coming off a, a, a run of a barren run of points per game. Uh, it was coming off the back of ten months not winning away. Mm. It was coming on the back of you know there were six points between us, so now it's nine. Yeah. So it was massive on Saturday. But let's uh, say Bristol City going well, Ipswich are up, you know They're up there. going well. <laughs> Millwall, as you've said, will be a, a, a tough game for various reasons. And Cardiff under uh, Mr. Warnock. Uh, yeah, we're doing we remarkably yeah. well to, to to hang on to Wolves, so yeah, got a got a really difficult ten twelve days, but bring uh, it on. That's what uh, that's what football throws at you over the Christmas period. Speaking of the Christmas period, then um, I'll start with you, Paul. Um, you were part of the group that went to Hillenden Hospital with the first team um, about ten days ago now, I think. And Andy, I'll move on to you in a minute because I know you played a part in a a special day we did for some of the young Grenfell Tower survivors, and then you. You did the annual visit to the Jack Tizard School um, on Monday. Um, just looking back then, Paul, to the Hillenden Hospital visit, there were, um, I think, about half the first-team squad went, didn't they, and handed out some presents. And it's it's vitally important that football clubs, and, and QPR do this fantastically well, even if I do say so myself, important that football clubs give something back at this time of year. Yeah, and it, As we do all year round, I should Yeah, I should and add. the trip to Hillenden Hospital is ha- something that the club do every year now and it always goes down well not only with the the patients and the parents but also with the players a lot of the players you'll find have got young children as well just with the ages they are and they really almost go away appreciating what they've got and how fortunate they are that perhaps that you know they won't be sp- spending christmas in in uh, in the hospital and you speak to the the parents as well and they always seem so appreciative of qpr going yeah. in and spending an hour or so so with them and it, it does seem to give everyone a lift that's involved with it and it it highlights the importance not only at this time of year as well but the importance every club has in in terms of its role within the the local community and QPR certainly um, understand and appreciate the value of that and we're recording this Loftcast this uh, episode of Loftcast on the 
third floor offices at Loftus Road and we can still see the Grenfell Tower fire there or sorry the Grenfell Tower building I should say that was affected by the fire in the background there and that's that's a constant reminder of, of what went on on that fateful day in June it was nice therefore Andy to, to give something back to some of those young survivors and their parents and their guardians those people that did survive the the awful June fire it was nice to give something back to them um and you know, going into that game, we were, uh, going into that event, we were in an awful run of form. And man, does it provide you with some perspective? It just puts everything into into context, doesn't it? Especially at what is going to be a, a really cruel time of year for those guys that have been through, a, yeah, an, a, an awful, awful tragedy. Well, we're six months from that, you know, dreadful night where uh, it affected not only people at QPR and the local area, but probably the the nation and the world, if you like. You mm. know. Um, I still can't get my head around it um, every time I, I try not to look at that building but when I'm driving a car I have to because it's mm. right in front of me and it's just a daily reminder of an, a horrific event that that happened you know so um, six months on leading up to Christmas Christmas is a wonderful time it's a time for you know families and loved ones to get together uh, for peace and hope and friendships if you like but that building gives you a constant reminder that there's going to be some very sad families leading up to Christmas over the next few weeks. So, and some families that, as we know, because we invited a number of families back, some families that won't even want to celebrate Christmas because of what they've been through. Exactly, and that's uh, that's natural, you know. So, uh, but what we did as a football club, you know, uh, we extended the arm uh, to to say we're still with you, we're still supporting you. We know it's going to be a, a really, really difficult time, but you know. Um, we win or do our bit to make sure you're still in our our minds and always will be yeah. and to give some presence to the youngsters and I have to say the youngsters because kids are quite resilient actually uh, when you see them the smiles on the face when they open a presence it was uh, it's a very humbling experience but it was a joy to see best day of his life that young lad said and I think that will stick with us all forever and then on Monday um, again an equally tough time I guess for for, for the youngsters over at the Jack Tizard School um, for, for young children with, with a number of learning difficulties um, but again it's it's an annual visit we do and it, it's vitally important and again it, it just shows what a strong community family club we are The Jack Tizard School is right on our doorstep uh, and you, you know the head says we're wonderful neighbours for, for what we do um, and we probably don't want to be constantly patted on the back for that it's just a yeah. natural thing to do you know but uh, but what those youngsters in that school have to contend with on a on a daily, daily basis, basis. Yeah. you know things that we just take for granted uh, so when you go into places like that it does open your eyes it makes you self reflect mm. you know we may right. we have a bad day in the office or we lose a game on a saturday you know but uh, i know that's what we are about as a football club but when you go into those sort of places um, you see what the kids have to put up with, what the the struggles their families have 24-7, the great work that the teachers are doing. It, uh, it just brings everything home to you. 